Amen. We are still talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. Today we're going to speak on topic number seven when it comes to the blood of Jesus. So let's start again. Sister Nancy, um, what have we been talking about? What was number one topic when it comes to the power of the blood of Jesus? Forgiveness, Forgiveness correct. Uh, I encourage you guys to know the scripture reference to all of that. So what was the scripture reference to forgiveness by the blood of Jesus? Hebrews chapter 9. Without the bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sin. Amen. Barb, your turn. <laughs> what was the topic number two we talked about? Amen. And that is Hebrews chapter 10. We have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Uh, topic number three. Anybody's grasp? Covenant. Correct. And that is, I think, Luke 22. Uh, this is the blood. Jesus said, this is my blood for the new covenant that was shed for many for the remission of sin. Topic number four, power number four in the blood of Jesus. The redemption is correct. This is the, the larger topic, but we broke it down into four. Today we're going to do the fourth part of that. The first aspect of the redemption was we are purchased by the blood. The scripture for that is... Uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, when everybody stands before the Lamb of God, going to say, worthy are you, Lamb, to take the scroll, open it up, because you were slain, and you have purchased us to God your Father from every tongue and tribe and nation. So we have been purchased by the blood, and then we have also been acquired by the blood, uh, and that is Acts twenty twenty eight. You guys need to study sometime this week, okay? <laughs> Acquired by the blood, Acts 20, 28, uh, when P Paul said uh, to, the to the elders in the church of Ephesus, uh, take care of the church of God, which he has acquired by the blood of his own. And then after that, we talked about last week, we have been uh, redeemed by the blood, and the scripture for that was 1 Peter 2, 19, or 18 and 19, absolutely. Yes, Amen. It might be one. Yes, you're probably right. Yeah, I slipped. It's one. One eighteen and 19, when Peter said, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct that you have inherited from your forefathers, but you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen? The blood of Jesus, Jesus, who was known from the foundation of the world. Amen? Great scripture. I mean, these scriptures are just so powerful in themselves. If you just quote them verbatim, this is just good. Amen? So let's today uh, talk about the last aspect of kind of redemption. We're still in the scripture that is loosely connected uh, about the redemption. And we're going to talk about we have been freed or been set free by the blood of Jesus. Amen? The scripture reference for that is Revelation 1, 5 to 6. Oh, I'm sorry. Wayne, if you don't mind, uh, does everybody has um, notes? Yeah, thank you, Wayne. I think we have plenty outside. I'm going to wait a minute uh, for everyone to have one. Thanks, Sister Patricia, for uh, the reminder. We have been freed by the blood of Jesus. This is exciting.
everybody on Betty, do you need one? You have one? Okay. Sister Nancy, you have one? Sister Gail, everybody here? Okay, perfect. Sister Lori, you have one? Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so we're good. So um, you can read that from your Bible or you can read it with us. Wayne, if you don't mind, um, give Sister Patricia another copy here uh, so you don't have to share. Um, uh, the scripture reference is Revelation 1, 5 to 6. This is what the Bible says. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of, of the kings of the earth. Now, this is a doxology, a hymn, a praise to Jesus. And here is how it goes. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. 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 One of the amazing songs that we read in the scripture, a praise that is addressed to Christ himself rather than God the Father. We rarely see these, but this is one of them. Now, what, depending on what translation you have, the King James, the new King James will read, uh, to him who loved us and has washed us from our sins by his blood. All other translations will read, freed us by his own blood. Freed us is more accurate. Uh, King James and New King James, they use um, Greek manuscripts that um, it's called the Byzantine manuscripts, which later on they found um, uh, manuscripts that is older and more reliable. And pretty much all the other translations, NIV, ESV, NASB, all the other translations use that older, more reliable uh, translation than King James and New King James. So all Pretty much all reliable translations uh, that has the older manuscripts, all reliable trans uh, manuscripts, has the word freed instead of the word washed. Don't quote me on this. I think I looked it up. The word washed and the word freed, there is only one letter difference in Greek between these two words. So it seems like it was freed and somehow one of the scribes made a mistake that um, transferred to the other manuscripts and became washed. Long story short, take my word for it, <laughs> it is freed us from our sins, not washed us from our sins. Amen? Uh, you can look and study it if you want to. But it is, he has freed us. He has set us free from our sins. The, the song say, how? By his blood. Now, if you look at this hymn, it says that Jesus has done three things, right? Can you help me out? What did Jesus do from that song right there? He... What did he do? Risen. Risen, correct. But in the verse that we were just reading right here, verse, um, after he said, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who, and then it says he did three things. He loved us, he freed us, and he made us, right? So that's a different sermon for a different day. We're not going to go this route today, <laughs> okay? We want to try to focus on how we have been freed by the blood of Jesus. So we're going to try to narrow more on that aspect, how we are bound to sin and how the blood of Jesus was the means by which we have been set free. Amen? So we're going to talk about three things today. Number one, we want to discuss the burden of the yoke of sin, okay? Number two... We want to discuss the power of the blood of Jesus that can set us free. And number three, that's kind of a closing note, the indescribable display of his love. How this love is amazingly displayed through that verse. Amen? 
So number one is the yoke of the burden of sin. We want to talk about that. And number two, the power of the blood of Jesus to set the captives free. And number three, we're going to close by talking, touching base on the love of Jesus as it's displayed in that verse. Number one, the burden of the yoke of sin. This song says that Jesus has set us free, right? Has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now, when it says he has set you free, what does that imply? That you have been bound by sin. That you are a slave to sin. And then Jesus came and he has set you and me free by the power of his blood. Amen? And that's a very common Theology in the New Testament that sin is not just breaking the law of God. Sin is also a cruel, harsh master that has everyone in, his, in its bondage and in slavery. Right? Let's look at a couple of examples in the Bible for that. In John chapter 8 verse 34, this is what Jesus said. So the context is that some Jews believed in Jesus. And Jesus told them back, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. They were like... Set us free. We are already free. We have never been bound to anybody before. I mean, talking about state of denial. I mean, they are already under the bondage of the Romans at that time. And say, we have never been in bondage to nobody. It looks like they never read the Old Testament. They have been under so many bondages before. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, so many bondages. And at that very second, he say, we are free. They are under the bondage of Rome. But Jesus replied back to them and said, you think you're free? Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, who everyone who practice sin is a slave of sin. Everyone who practice sin is a slave to sin. Now, Jesus started by saying, verily, verily, truly, truly. Why would Jesus start this way? Because he wanted to emphasize what he's going to say. He's just saying, I mean, this is not just a simple fact. It's like Jesus saying, I assure you, I am very confident, truly, truly, I say to you that how many people? Everyone who practice sin is a slave to sin. Let me ask you a question. According to what Jesus has said there, how many people can practice sin and be free from sin? Not a single, yes. Every single soul that practices sin, according to Jesus, is a slave to that sin. Jesus is saying it is impossible that you can practice sin and claim that you are a free man. Because everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Amen? Amen? Now the word slave here, actually, it's literally from the Greek, it's, it's to be bound. Like to, somebody is tying you up, you are, you are bound. And originally when it started, it was like the lowest, lowest, lowest level of bondage or servants. Like you're not just a regular servant, you're the worst of all servants. You are bound, you have no option, you are tied up. Eventually, the word evolved to become just servant. But the original meaning of the word is somebody who's so tied up that they have no will of their own. They are just so bound and they are the lowest of all. And this is what Jesus was trying to say here. Everyone. How many people? Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Look at people who smoke cigarettes, for example. They tell you, oh, I got this. I can quit anytime I want. Well... If you can't quit anytime you want, how come you haven't quit yet? You know why? Because everyone is 
who practice sin is slave to that sin. This cigarette, it might be two inches tall, but it keeps you bound like nobody's business. Amen? Amen. Cigarette, smoking, drugs, whatever the case is, you are bound by that. I, I used to be a pharmacist for five years in retail. Hated it. But you know what? I remember the days when I, I see people coming, and I know just by how they look, and they come into the counter of my pharmacy, that they're going to ask, ask for uh, Sudafed. So you can take that, go back home, cook it, and make meth. You know, I can tell just by the way they look, the way they dress, how they itchy and irritated because they're just so bound to that meth, and it's ruining their life. You can tell on their appearance that they're not right, but they still come back to me asking for more. I'm like, how can anybody in the right mind want to do the exact same thing that hurt them? You know why they do it? Because they don't have the freedom not to do it. Because they're abound to these drugs. They, they go do drugs and then they get an immediate pleasure or be set free or feel good for a minute. And then five minutes later, they want to go back to it because they are bound by these drugs. Amen? Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The Lord gave me more materials for the sermon this morning, Mike, right? I picked up Mike, and then we come here, and then this lady stops us, and he's telling us about that guy, truck. And uh, he's in the hospital. How many strokes? Five or four strokes. There's a highly suspect that he's going to make it. And then Mike was telling me that he has been doing PCP, whatever that drug is. They dip that cigarette in that drug, and it makes him hallucinating, and he kept on doing that, and now he has stroke because of it, and he might not make it because he was so bound by that drug addiction, and Satan was ruining his life. Sin was just ruining his life. Poor thing, he was too much of a slave to that drug. He could not break the yoke of that drug when he wanted to, and now this sin might take his life away because he's so bound and he cannot be set free. Amen? Jesus said, whoever, everyone who practices sin is what? A slave to sin. Sin is a cruel master. Let's look at another scripture. Acts 8.23. Another example. Now, John and Peter at that time went to the city, I think it's Samaria, and there was a guy there, Simon the sorcerer. When he saw that when the disciples laid hand on people, they, they start manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, speaking in tongues, prophesying, whatever the, th the case was, he desired that, and he's like, give me money so I can also do the same thing. I can lay my hand on people, and um, they receive the Holy Spirit. So what did Peter answer him and say? He said, for I see, this is what Peter told him, I see that you are in the gal of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The word bond here is just an intensified form of, of, of a bondage. It literally like the legitimacy of the body. This is how tight it can hold you together. And what Peter was saying here is this. I see that you are so bound, like even the legitimacy of the body, bound together to sin. And sin is holding you captive and you cannot break off that yoke of sin. You know why? Because everyone who practices sin is what? A slave to sin. Let's look at that example. Another scripture, Romans 6, 6. This is what Peter was, Paul was saying. You know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be what? Enslaved to sin. What Paul was saying here is this. 
The body of sin is the very reason why you and I are enslaved to sin. It's our nature. It's like you have a well of water that produces bitter water or salt water. That's its nature. The well might have every desire to be a good well and produce sweet water, nice water. But guess what? It's not the nature of that well to produce good water. So it doesn't matter what the well wants. It's going to keep on producing that salty, bitter, bad water. Amen? And that's you and me without Christ, friends. We have this nature that is called the nature of sin. And it doesn't matter even if you don't want to sin. Sin is enslaving you. You are bound to sin. Sin is your master. And you cannot do it. Do anything except to obey what sin wants to do in your life. Amen? Everyone who practices sin, Jesus said, is a slave to sin. We touch base on this Following scripture before, in Ephesians 2, 3, look what Paul said. Among whom? Among the Gentiles, the pagans who don't like God. He said, among whom also you all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. And we talked about this before. Fulfilling your own desires, right? That's what Paul said, right? Nope. It doesn't say you fulfill your own desire, your own will. It says you are fulfilling the desires of what? The flesh and the mind. It's whatever your wicked nature wants to accomplish in you. That you do. You don't have your own will. You don't have your own desire to do whatever you like. You are enslaved to the will and the flesh. And you do whatever sin wants you to do. Everyone who practices sin is what? A slave to sin. Titus 3.3 this is what Paul said. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. And then look at this. What? Slaves to various lusts and pleasures. Slaves to it. Lust and pleasure just have their way in us. And we cannot say nothing because we are enslaved to it. Do we need to talk about this? Look at what's happening in the world around us. Look at. Pornography, for example, look at um, immortal relationships, how people are so bound by their lusts and their pleasures. Even homosexuality, people say, well, I didn't choose to be a homosexual. I, I have this desire in me to be a homosexual. It is not something I chose. Of course you have the desire because you are bound to that wickedness. It is that yoke in you that is forcing you to do that is uncomprehensible. And you think that it is yourself. It is not yourself. It is the yoke of sin over your life that need to be broken off. Amen? Amen. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And sin, it ain't no funny master or good master at all. Sin is a cruel master. Look at our fr friend truck here that, um, that Mike was referring us to. The guy would serve sin. I mean, you think that when somebody surrenders to sin, the sin will try to take care of them, right? But it doesn't. Sin, you surrender yourself, you become enslaved to sin, and sin takes advantage of you surrendering your will to ruin your life and kill you in a second if it can. Because sin, it is such a cruel master. Amen? When Paul wanted to describe how wicked sin is, you know how he described it in Romans chapter 8? He said sin is very sinful. He couldn't find a worse description to describe sin than sin itself. He said sin is very sinful because it's a wicked, cruel master. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The burden of the yoke of sin. But number two, let's talk about 
the liberating power of the blood of Jesus. Some good news coming your way. Amen. Now, the word freed, the word set us free here, the very root word of the word. When you look at the theological dictionary of the New Testament, that's the book to go to. If you ever want to study anything in the Bible, that's the book to go to. Anyways, it describes this word in four different ways. Just look at number four. It talks about to be freed. The very root of the word is like breaking the fetter. You know when, when you're in prison, I mean, we have a story in the Bible about Paul and Silas in prison, and their feet, their legs were feathered together. And then... The, the word here, freed us, literally means to destroy that fetter. To break that bondage that is holding people captive. That's literally what the word means. Amen? The divine dictionary, look at this. He, here's how they describe that word. The word means to loosen, especially by way of deliverance. Sometimes has the meaning of breaking or destructively. So what John was saying here in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5, he's saying that God did not just untie the bondage of sin and make it a little bit comfortable for us. Jesus has destroyed, has totally ruined, has totally, has totally brought to nothing the yoke of sin. How? By the power of his blood. The blood of Jesus doesn't just lose the bondage of sin over your life. The blood of Jesus totally destroyed the yoke of sin over your life. Amen? Amen? The power, the blood of Jesus is far more powerful than any yoke of sin. And the blood of Jesus can set you free even today. Amen. Jesus' blood can destroy the yoke of sin. And look what happened to us after the blood of Jesus has set us free. The verse says, he has what? Made us what? Kings and priests to God our Father. Now think about it. Somebody who's bound to sin, a slave to sin, the blood of Jesus is being applied to that slave. Now, not just the yoke is being destroyed, but this very slave is now a king because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Talking about the power of the blood of Jesus to set the captives free. Amen? The blood of Jesus can set you free today and turn you from a slave to king because it is that powerful. Amen? So if you are here today and you are bound by whatever sin that might be, and here is the tricky part, if you truly want to be set free, if you truly want to break that yoke of sin that, you, that is holding you captive once and for all, I have some good news for you, friend. Amen? The blood of Jesus is just far more stronger than any yoke of sin. Amen? The blood of Jesus is far more stronger than any chain of sin, than any bondage of sin. Whatever the case is, whatever desire, whatever lust, whatever pressure that is holding you captive today, Jesus' blood can set you free. Amen? And one day you can stand just with these crowds here and shout the praises of Him and you, who redeemed us. And you can cry out to Him and say, thank you Jesus that you have redeemed me. You have destroyed my yoke, you have destroyed my bondage. How? By your blood. And you have made me king and priest to God the Father. Amen? Amen? The blood of Jesus is far more powerful than any yoke of sin. That's good preaching. Amen. Let me just close with this. The undescribable, amazing love of Christ that is being displayed in that verse. Look at Jesus, how the Bible describes him in that verse. He says about him three things, right? He is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler over kings, right? That's what it says in verse 5. Let's think about these terminologies for a minute. He is the faithful 
witness. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is not a faithful messenger. Jesus is a faithful witness. What is the difference? Is there a difference between being a messenger and being a witness? Of course. If you're a messenger, you just you don't have to see anything. I just tell you something. You go out and deliver it, you're a, and you deliver it right. You are a faithful messenger, right? But Jesus is not a faithful messenger. He's a faithful witness. You know why? Because he's the one who is in the bosom of the Father. He sees everything. And everything he tells us about God is not something that he heard or something that was commissioned to him to deliver to us. He was there himself. He has seen it. He has testified. And he came here to tell us what he has seen when he was in the bosom of the Father. Amen? He is the faithful witness. Jesus said this in, in John eight thirty eight. I speak... Listen to this. Of what I have seen with my father. Jesus is the faithful witness. In other words, in other words, what John was telling us here is this. Jesus is the one who knows exactly God on the same level as God is. He knows God, stand with him toe to toe. He's seen God acting. He's he been with God in every single second. As long as God exists, Jesus exists in the same way. He's seen it. He testified when he came here to testify to it. Amen. So Jesus is not just a faithful witness like he's a good guy. He's the one who can reveal the Father to us. Amen? Number two, he's the firstborn from the dead. Now obviously this is not chronological being raised from the dead, right? We have a couple of people being raised from the dead in the Old Testament, right? Elijah rose the dead. Elisha raised the dead. Um, When Jesus was alive, he rose the dead before he died himself, right? Multiple times. But why is Jesus the firstborn? Why he's number one, even though there is people raised before him? You know why? Because everybody else was raised before Jesus. Guess what happened to them? 20 years, 30 years, 50 years down the road. Guess what happened to them? They died again, right? But Jesus, when he rose from dead, he never died again. Amen? Because he is the prince of life. And because he is the prince of life, death cannot contain him and the grave cannot overcome him. Amen? That's why he's the firstborn from the dead. Because he's the one who conquered death and the grave once and for all. Amen? And he's the firstborn. Jenny, this is good. He's the firstborn because he's the first one who did it. And all of us who are washing his blood are going to be just like him one day. We're going to conquer death and we're going to conquer the grave because he is the firstborn from that dead. Amen? Amen? So he is, number one, the faithful witness. Number two, the firstborn from the dead. But number three, he is ruler over kings. Now listen to this. Kings rule over people. Jesus rule over kings. He is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. Amen. And here is the part that blows your mind away. This one who's so magnificent, so awesome. The one who's seen God, been with God, knows God. The one who is king of kings. The one who no death, no grave, no power from hell can overcome him. This exact one. Loved you and me. Look at this. He loved us. And he has freed us from our sins by the blood of a different sacrifice. Does it say that? By his own blood. He loved you and me so much so that he accepted to come down, to go to the cross, to die there, to shed his blood for you and me. So you and me can be set free. Amen? This is no Greek. This is no whatever. This is my translation of that verse. Amen. This is how I understand it. He loved us so much so 
that he freed us from our sins by his blood. Amen. He loved us even to the point that he chose to die on the cross to shed his blood as a ransom money to set us free. Amen. Amen. We have been freed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. He loves you so much that he chose to shed his blood on the cross so that his blood can be the reason for your deliverance even today. Amen. There is power in the blood of Jesus to set the captives free. Amen. And this is not just a nice theory. You can experience that yourself even today. All that you have to do, just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't save myself. I can't stop this addiction that I'm having. I can't stop this sin, uh, drugs, pornography, whatever the case is. I can't do it. But I come to you today and I ask you that the power of your blood break every yoke of sin in my life. Guess what? You will be set free. Amen. And one day you're going to stand before the throne just like these people. And you're going to tell him, you loved me. And you have set me free from my sins by the power of your blood. Amen. Let's all pray together. Amen.